Tonight we will be considering two catechism questions, question 48 and 49. And as is our custom, I would ask you to repeat uh, the answers after me. Question 48, what is the preface to the Ten Commandments? The preface to the Ten Commandments is... In these words, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And then question 49 asks, what does the preface to the Ten Commandments teach us? The preface to the Ten Commandments teacheth us... That because God is the Lord, and our God, and Redeemer, therefore we are bound to keep all His commandments. And our scripture reading for tonight is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through Deuteronomy 11, 1. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. This is Moses saying to Israel, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord which I am commanding you today for your good? Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set His heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples, as you are this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him, and by His name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God, who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, seventy persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep His charge, His statutes, His rules, and His commandments always. So far the reading of God's most holy word. May He add His blessing to the preaching of it this evening. As you know, in the weeks and months to come, we will be learning all about the Ten Commandments. We believe that the Ten Commandments summarize God's moral law, and we believe that God's moral law applies to all men. All men have this law written on their hearts, the Scriptures teach. All men are bound to keep it, and all men will be judged by this law on the last day, if not in Christ. More was said about all of this in previous sermons. But I do hope that you would agree with me that God's people, those who have been redeemed by God and who bear His name, do have a special kind of obligation to obey their God. 
All men are obligated to obey God, but those who have been redeemed by God, who bear His name, do have a special kind of obligation to obey their God. And really this is what the preface or the introduction to the Ten Commandments teaches us. And this is the message that our catechism is trying to get across. If we are in Christ, if we have been rescued by Him and washed clean by His blood, then we have a special kind of obligation to keep God's law. Again, question 48 of our catechism asks, what is the preface to the Ten Commandments? A preface is an introduction that sets the tone for what will follow. And the answer to question 48 is simply a quotation of Exodus 20, verse 2. The preface to the Ten Commandments is in these words, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Again, that is a quotation from Exodus 20, verse 2. That is how the Ten Commandments were introduced to Israel. That is how the Ten Commandments are introduced to us. And by the way, you have probably noticed that the English found in our catechism is Old English. Have you noticed that? That is because this document was written a long time ago. It is an old document. And I will say, especially to the parents, you are free to modernize the language of the catechism for your children, to kind of smooth it out for them as you teach them the catechism and try to get them to memorize these questions and answers. But as a church, we have decided to retain the original because, as you can imagine, altering foundational documents such as catechisms and confessions can be tricky business. And so if you wish to memorize the preface to the Ten Commandments or the Ten Commandments themselves using the language of the ESV or some other modern Bible translation, I think that would be just fine. But the point is that we are to learn them and and hopefully put them to memory so so that we know what the preface is and and what each of the Ten Commandments are by the end of this study, by the end of this process. But... Let us think about Exodus 20, verse 2, for a moment, and the preface to the Ten Commandments that is found there. What was the setting? What was the setting? Who was speaking and to whom were they speaking? These are important questions. And if you know the story of the Exodus, you know that it was God who was speaking. Moses had gone up on Mount Sinai and had received the Ten Commandments from God. The scriptures tell us that these words were written on tablets of stone by the finger of God. So this is a very direct form, a very direct kind of of revelation, isn't it? These, These Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God. And Moses brought these tablets down to the people of Israel who, not long before this, were rescued from Egypt. They had been let out. And if you wish to know more about that story, you should read the second book of the Bible called Exodus. So these words that we are considering are God's words. They were delivered in this form to Israel, that is to the Hebrew people who had been redeemed from Egypt. These were the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The the small clan of Jacob had grown very large over the span of hundreds of years as they lived in captivity and eventually suffered in Egypt. At the time of the Exodus, God rescued them. He brought them out from Egyptian bondage through Moses, his servant. He brought them out by sending 
Ten plagues upon the Egyptians. I hope this story is very familiar to you. He led them into the wilderness, and when they were trapped with the Red Sea on one side and the army of Egypt on the other side, what did God do? But He parted the waters for them. The Hebrews walked on dry land through the waters of judgment, and as the Egyptians pursued them, the waters of judgment fell upon them and consumed them. And so this is the setting. In brief, this law was given by God to Israel, whom He had rescued out of Egypt, to be His chosen people. The first words spoken were, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. This Exodus story should sound familiar to you for, for two reasons. For two reasons. One, it should sound familiar to you because you know your Bible and the story of the history of redemption that is found there. It should be a familiar story to you because you've read this story and you've told it to your children. It is important that we know the story and that we teach it to our children. We should know that God did really rescue the Hebrews out of Egypt through Moses and He did really give them His law. This is history. Two, this story should sound familiar to you because you have experienced it yourself, spiritually speaking, if you are in Christ. Christ is like Moses, only greater. And through Him, God has redeemed us. He has rescued us, not from Egypt, but from Satan himself and from his kingdom. As Paul says to the Colossians, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So we too have experienced an exodus of sorts. We too have been delivered. We have been redeemed by God. Not through Moses, but through Christ. And you too have passed through the waters of judgment. At your baptism you were brought through the waters, having been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. And so just like the Israelites passed through the Red Sea and saw the waters on each side, so too you passed through the waters, a symbol of your redemption in Christ Jesus. And in Christ you are God's chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That is 1 Peter 2.9. Peter is writing to Christians, but you can hear uh, the language of, of redemption. You can hear the language of, of even Old Covenant Israel here being applied to the church, to the Christian who lives under the New Covenant and so, friends, you are to understand that the exodus that the Hebrews experienced so long ago was a type, it was a picture of the greater exodus that was to come when Christ rescued His elect from the domain of darkness by His shed blood. And so here is the point that we are making this evening. As God's people, as God's redeemed ones, we have a special kind of obligation to obey Him, for we are His people and He is our God. Question 49 of our Catechism explains this using the preface to the Ten Commandments. What does the preface to the Ten Commandments teach us? And the answer, I think, is, is so beautiful. It's so concise and yet it is packed full of meaning. The preface to the Ten Commandments teaches us that because God is the Lord and our God and Redeemer, 
Therefore, we are bound to keep all His commandments. So why are we bound to keep all of God's commandments? Why are we bound to keep them? You will notice that three reasons are given here in our catechism, and each one of them is very important, and in fact, I think the progression is important. One, we are bound to keep all His commandments because God is the Lord. God is the Lord. In the very first words of the preface to the Ten Commandments, God introduces Himself saying, I am the Lord. And in your English Bibles you will see that the word Lord is in all capitals. It is because it is a translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh. He is the one true God, the one and only, the self-existent, eternal and unchanging one. He is the creator of all things in heaven and on earth, seen and unseen. So why must we obey God? Answer, because He is the Lord. Because He is God, because He is the only one and true God, this is why we are to obey Him. And you will notice that this reason does not only apply to God's redeemed, but to all people. All people are obligated to obey God, to worship and serve Him, because He is God. He is our Creator. This is true of all men, even of those who deny His existence and blaspheme His holy name. God is the Creator of all things, and He is the Sustainer of all things. All are obligated, therefore, to live in perfect and perpetual obedience to Him. You know, over the past few years, this little phrase, not my president, has grown in popularity in our nation. Have you heard anyone say that? Not my president. And every time I hear it or read it, I think, what a silly thing for an American citizen to say, not my president. I understand what they mean. They wish to express their strong dislike for the president, and they have a right to do that. But what a silly way to express it, to say, not my president. When I hear this, I hear them saying, my dislike for the president is so strong that I must deny the reality that he is my president and create a little reality of my own in order to function, in order to function. And every time I encounter the phrase, I think, no, he is your president. Even if you really dislike him, he is your president. That is the reality. And saying, not my president, or living as if he is not, will not change a thing. He is your president in reality, for he is the president of the United States of America. And I bring this up only to say that many live this way as it pertains to to God. Many will say with their mouths, or they will say this in their hearts, not my God. He's not my God. This does not change the fact that He is. He is our God. He is our Creator and Sustainer. We live in His world. We breathe His air. We eat and drink the food and water that He has mercifully provided. We are bound to keep all of His commandments, therefore, because God is the Lord. This is the reality of things, and saying that He is not will not change a thing. God is the Lord. Therefore, we are bound to keep all of His commandments. Secondly, we are bound to keep all His commandments because God is our God, our catechism teaches. God is our God. And, and no, this does not contradict what I have just said. There is a sense in which God is God to all, even to those who say, not my God. But there is also a sense in which God is our God, 
And uniquely so. We belong to Him and He belongs to us in a special way because He has redeemed us. He has rescued us in Christ. He has adopted us as His own. As you are reading through your Bibles, I would like for you to be on the lookout for phrases like this. I will be their God and they shall be my people, says the Lord. Phrases like that one are peppered throughout the pages of Holy Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. I will be their God, God says. I will be their God and they shall be my people. He's speaking here of those whom He has redeemed, either Old Covenant Israel, having been redeemed from Egypt to be God's chosen possession in that era, or the New Covenant people of God who are living now in this world, who have been reconciled to God through faith in Christ, or God's people in the new heavens and new earth. I will be their God and they will be my people. Take for example Jeremiah 33, 31. Here God speaks of the coming new covenant when He says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then in Revelation 21, 3 we read, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. This is such an important phrase because it establishes this unique and peculiar relationship that exists between God and those whom He has redeemed. We are His now, but the glory of the new heavens and earth will be this. God will will dwell in the midst of us and we will be His and He will be ours in such a wonderful and intimate way. This is really what it means to be saved and to be redeemed, to belong to God and for God to belong to to us. And so while it is true that God is the God of all men, even if they deny Him, it is also true Now that man has fallen into sin and God has determined to redeem a people for Himself, that some have God as their God in a special way. These are God's elect. They are the ones whom God has drawn to Himself through faith in the Christ. And please hear this. Having God as your God does not lessen your obligation to obey Him. It does not lessen your obligation to obey Him. To the contrary, the obligation is now greater than it ever was before. It is interesting how people think about this. Well, Christ has kept the law on my behalf. I'm saved by grace through faith. I cannot earn my salvation. Christ has earned it for me. Is all of that true? Yes. You are God's redeemed. You have been reconciled to the Father. This, it's not your own doing. It is the free gift of God. All of that is is the truth of the gospel. But this reality does not lessen our obligation to obey God. It actually increases it. Now that God is our God and we are His people, we are obligated to obey Him. He has set His love upon you. You are His. You are His child. You bear His name. And it is only right that you worship and serve Him from the heart. This was true of the nation of Israel under the Old Covenant. Having been redeemed from Egypt, they then had this special obligation set upon them to live in obedience to all of God's commandments. And and this is also true for all who have faith in Christ under the covenant of grace. 
This covenant of grace is not a lawless covenant. God's law stands. His moral law stands. And we are bound to keep it because God is our God. Again, why are we bound to keep all of God's commandments? Because God is the Lord and our God. And thirdly, He is our Redeemer, the Catechism says. He is our Redeemer. Not only is God God, and not only is He our God, He is is our Redeemer. This was true of ethnic Israel in an earthly sense. God had redeemed or rescued Israel from earthly bondage. And so he said, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. But this is true for you and me and all who are in Christ in a spiritual and eternal sense. God has redeemed you, not from Egypt, but from the domain of darkness and the power of the evil one. He has redeemed you, not through Moses and by ten plagues, but through Christ and by His shed blood, of which the blood of the ram that was spread upon the doorposts of the houses of the Hebrews was Yet a sign. You are redeemed. And so, having been redeemed by God, having been rescued by Him, we have this this obligation to live in obedience to Him. I have been using the word obligation a lot in the sermon, haven't I? And that has been intentional. I think it is a good and helpful word. We are obligated to obey God. Why should we obey God? Well, because He is God, and more than that, He is our God. We obey Him because it is right that we do so. We are obligated to obey Him. But there is another word that we might use, and that is the word gratitude. We are to keep His commandments because we are grateful for all that He has done for us in Christ Jesus by His mercy and grace. God is our Redeemer. And so why would we not keep His commandments? We ought to be moved by a sense of gratitude for the mercy and grace that has been shown to us. We are to obey God because we love Him and are grateful for all of His gifts. You can hear the appeal to grateful and loving obedience to God in that Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 and following passage that I read at the beginning of the sermon. And I would urge you to go back and read it again, even this evening before you you go to bed. Pick it up. Read Deuteronomy 10, 12 and following and see that, that even then, under the Old Covenant, Moses is appealing to the people of Israel saying, Serve God with everything that you are. Love Him from the heart. Obey Him because look at what He has done for you. Do not forget His mercy and grace. Do not forget His marvelous deeds. He has rescued you out of bondage. He has set you free. He has put His name upon you. Serve Him with everything that you are. And this is so much more true under the new covenant, not less. It is even more true. For our redemption in Christ Jesus is even greater than the redemption that Israel experienced so long ago. Go and read Deuteronomy 10.12 and following again for yourselves. But for now, let us recite Baptist Catechism 49 again. What does the preface to the Ten Commandments teach us? The answer is that the preface to the Ten Commandments teaches us, and now I would have you repeat after me, that because God is the Lord, and our God, and Redeemer, therefore we are bound to keep all His commandments. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, it is a wonderful gift to be freed from the burden of the law. 
Um, it is wonderful that we uh, do not see the law in this way as if we have to keep it perfectly and per- perpetually in order to be right with you, for we cannot. The law condemns us when we approach it in that way. But we thank you that you have redeemed us so that we might serve you. We thank you that you have renewed our hearts and our minds, that you are sanctifying us even still. This law of yours, this moral law has been engraven upon our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit through regeneration. We have been set free from the bondage to sin. We have been set free so that we might serve Christ faithfully. God, enable us to do so. May we, may we serve you, um, not only because we are obligated to, because you are the Lord and you are our God, but may we serve you also because we are sincerely grateful for all that you have accomplished for us in Christ Jesus. We love you because you first loved us, and I do pray that your love for us would move us to a greater and greater love for you, O Lord. Captivate our hearts and our minds so that we might walk worthy before you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.